You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, this is Erin McCart, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. <laughs> I can't even try to pull that off. This is Erin McCourt in a normal voice. And thank you for joining us today as we're going to talk about Elizabeth Holmes that Erin McCart just tried to imitate very poorly. <laughs> Wait, that's, that's some bullshit. It's dead on. Dead I mean, on. if you could see how wide my eyes are when I do it, I think you'd be wildly <laughs> impressed with my overall impression of yeah. Ms. Holmes. That part of the impression was right. dead on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really trying to up that intensity. Maybe ask you for some money. Mm. So this week, we're going to talk about The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. This is on the HBO. It was done in 2019. It's just under two mm-hmm. hours long and written directed by Alex Gibney. Yep. Figured we'd do this one because one, it's kind of topical. Elizabeth was just in the news, and they're actually getting ready to come out with a Hulu drama series based on her and Theranos, I want to say in March, maybe in February. Yeah, it's, it's, it's close. And it has Amanda Seyfried, mm-hmm. Seyfried, however you pronounce her name, playing it, and I think she's perfect because she has the biggest eyes ever. She's got pretty glorious hair, too. Well, she does have good hair, but I'm assuming they ratted it up a bit and deadened it. I know. I was going to say... Elizabeth Holmes is a little bit dry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's what I yeah. said. Couldn't she use conditioner? A little spritz? Yeah. She's far too busy doing entrepreneurial things. She can't take the time to condition her hair. She takes the time to put on blue eyeshadow. And she takes the time to dye her hair. They could do the conditioning treatment then. Mm. They could mm-hmm. force mm-hmm. it on her is what they should do. Yeah. That would be the ethical thing to do. I mean, if she made a lot of mistakes. We're just saying this is a minor one. Yeah, that's true. If you're all about image, you know, that hair stands out. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. She wanted to portray a specific image, and she had a reason for portraying it and a reason for saying everything that she said, and it just doesn't line up in the end. It's kind of what we're getting right. at, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Elizabeth Holmes, CEO and founder of Theranos. And Theranos was a company she founded when, what was she, 19? Uh, yes. We hear about it several times. Well, I'm only 19. Mm-hmm. Okay. Calm down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was Theranos, the name comes from the combination of therapy and diagnosis. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad name. No. It just has such a bad rap now. It's got like a bad it. connotation. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They show... Okay, I'm going to make this statement now because I have it written in my notes several times. They have a lot (laughs) of videos of her in, you know, Mm -hmm. in the lab coat, walking through the lab, other people in lab coats in the lab, people doing work in the lab. Mm -hmm. Not a single pair of safety glasses among them. (laughs) Not one. I noticed that too. Sometimes there aren't even gloves. Mm -mm. You're dealing with blood. So, yeah, universal precautions dictate you probably should protect them peepers. Mm Mm-hmm. I would even take a face shield if you are a non-glasses or goggles type. Yeah. But you don't want splashing in your eyes, folks. No. 
No, you don't. You don't want any it's just gross. bodily fluids anywhere on you. But she protected her black clothes. That's the important thing. Those tubes have sometimes get pressurized, and when you open them, mm-hmm. they can spritz on you. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> spritz. <laughs> I mean, you've been there. I have as I have samples out, and the little tops will pop off as they mm-hmm. thaw. Yeah, it's annoying, but yeah. The screw top ones will kind of, you know, psh, and I'm like, I don't feel good about this at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. So that's two old lab rats freaking out about minor details. <laughs> I know the PPE, but these are the things that you notice, right? Right. Okay. So th- that's how they start. They start with a video of Elizabeth walking mm-hmm. in the lab without any fucking safety glasses on. And they're discussing how in 2014, she had moved her startup company, her biotech company, to the Stanford Research Park, which is a big deal, right? This is where like mm-hmm. Apple and Tesla and Uber, I don't know, everybody starts there. Right. All the fancy things got their startup here. It was kind of a status shot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. She employed about 800 people and the worth was listed at about $10 billion, with a B dollars. With a B. Mm. Yeah. And four years later, it was worth pretty much nothing. So they said less than zero. And I was like, okay. So that's impressive. I feel like to go from 10 billion to nothing in four years is actually a feat. So she should get credit for that, if nothing else. Well, then you question, how did they come up with these figures in the first place? I mean, it's sort mm-hmm. of just, you know, they're kind of guessing. Yeah. Based on reports, right? It's just sort of an educated guess. She did raise about $400 million, which is interesting. But yeah, the which is a drop in the bucket compared to the $10 billion, but still. I mean, maybe that was the more definitive of those figures. Right. Well, I mean, I think we learned from the Fire Festival that they're going to they're going to fudge the numbers. And they even talk about mm-hmm. it here that she said at one point it was estimated her company had made uh, hundreds of millions of dollars one year, but actually on paper it only came out to like a couple hundred thousand or something. Right, right. And I'm not sure how that math works, but I'm guessing there's a, a program somewhere. Well, I mean, you can plug whatever you want into Excel and then <laughs> hand it to people, I guess. We have learned, yes. <laughs> I don't know everything about Excel, but I do know you can do that. So, mm-hmm. So the whole premise of Theranos is instead of taking a vein puncture, they call it venous puncture Mm -hmm. or something, I don't know, Mm -hmm. a vein puncture taking tubes and tubes of blood, which apparently terrifies people more than death, and and sending it in for testing and paying a shit ton of money and waiting for the doctor to give you your results, you can have control over your testing. You can get a finger stick, get a couple of milliliters of blood, and Mm -hmm. put it in this magic black box that will run 250 different tests. Not, I mean, mm-hmm. you're done without ordering 250 tests, but it can, in theory, mm-hmm. on paper, do all those things. And then also to give you more control. Her thought process is if people have more control over the tests they order and the results, then maybe they can do it more often and they can see trends and they can catch disease mm-hmm. earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're doing some preventative stuff rather than, yes. you know, diagnosis and treatment after you have disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds good on paper. Yeah, it's a lovely thought. And they call out the two biggest companies, right, that corner the market, which is Quest Diagnostics and LabCorp. Mm-hmm. So this is all reduced cost if you go with Theranos and you have the Edison machine, which is the big black box or the mm-hmm. medium black box. I don't really know. Bigger than a bread box. It's movable. Like you could pick it up and move it around, I guess. Take it in your car, take it to the park. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why the movability of it is such a big deal, at least in theory. But yeah, it's a... It's a lovely idea. 
it's just not practical. For a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the fact that I don't know jack all about what to look for in my yeah, blood. So with your results. If I'm looking for, yeah. Even so, mm-hmm. every year we get our blood tested for work, right? And mm-hmm. they, I get the results. I look at the results. And even though they have like green, red, and yellow kind of to show you if it's in the good range or bad mm-hmm. range. Okay, so if my potassium's high, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. Ate a banana that morning? What does right. it mean? Yeah. So, and it's not just one test. It's usually a picture, right? They're looking at several different things to put together to mm-hmm. solve the puzzle of what might be wrong. And that's why mm-hmm. doctors go to school for a really long fucking time, right? Yeah, it's kind of negating all the experts needed to pull this stuff off. You Mm -hmm. want well-trained analysts to run your tests. You want people who know what they're doing interpreting your results and storing your samples and doing all that kind of stuff because it's Mm -hmm. important to have good data is really the end of it. And sort of she's trying to bypass all of this, which, again, is a lovely theoretical goal to give healthcare back into the hands of the people. I don't fault her at mm-hmm. all for that. Uh, the execution, I do. <laughs> I do think she right. got real borked up there real fast. So she's trying to change healthcare. She's trying to change the way healthcare works and make it more accessible, make it all, all of these things. That's a wonderful mm-hmm. idea. Do you know what would have been really mm-hmm. good for you to put your big brain power towards? Universal healthcare. That would really help people. Right. Then people can go to the mm-hmm. doctor and not have to worry about costs have to worry about any of these things so use Mm -hmm. that big brain you have apparently towards something that's not going to benefit you as well because this wasn't exactly altruistic right right as much as she tries to make it sound that way Mm -hmm. it wasn't a philanthropic endeavor yes if she owned 50 percent of that company then she was good for five billion dollars so they say Mm Hmm. okay i just can't with her so there were some cool folks in this dan arley He's the behavioral economist, which mm-hmm. sounds like a really cool job. Yeah, he seems like a really cool cat. Yeah, like with a vaguely French accent or something. He was cool. Yeah. But he kind of talks about a lot of the, I don't know, motivation behind these types of, like kind of how you get so far down in the hole, right? So you start off with this lofty goal and it sounds great and everybody loves it and then you can't really make it happen. So you start to lie a little bit and then you're in a little bit further and you're in a little bit further, and but it's all justified because it's a great goal. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of his contribution throughout this is to explain how somebody could get themselves in such hot water when they started off with a noble cause, you know, barring all right. of the, it was her company and she's making a shit ton of money. We'll leave that, we'll leave that part. Right. But yeah. Yeah. He did a really good job of explaining mm-hmm. it. And I like that he, you know, did a couple different examples of how to explain People will lie Mm -hmm. to get more money from themselves. But if you do experiments and say, okay, well, this money that we give you will go towards charity, they actually will lie more Mm -hmm. and they can justify to themselves that they're not really lying because they're doing something good. Mm -hmm. The outcome is good, right? Yeah. People will benefit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is not for my gain. It's for everybody else's gain. Wink, wink. Mm -hmm. We're good. Right. And then there were a couple of journalists that we discussed. Mm -hmm. Ken Arletta. Mm -hmm. He's a writer for The New Yorker. And he was really impressed by her, right? Right. He wrote a great article. Yes, he did. Kind of really got in and toured the plant and talked to her folks and did all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And really bought her story, Hook, Line, and Sinker. He, I don't know, that's when you really start to get the impression that she is quite a salesperson. 
every single person that talks about her is like she was just the most amazing. She was, I mean, they even have clips of her talking to like government in Arizona. She was trying to change some laws. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the guys is like, oh, just everything we could have ever wanted to know. You've already answered. You're amazing. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, just mm-hmm. stop it. Because nothing that she says doesn't sound completely scripted. It's very rehearsed. Mm-hmm. Yes. If they ask her anything that's not scripted, she falters, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't sound genuine at all. She doesn't sound like she knows what she's talking about. Nothing that she says works for me. Do you think that that's partially, though, because you know what the outcome of all this is? Like, if you were in a room with this lady with the great big bug eyes and she's very, very intense, you know, confidence really covers a lot of flaws. And I think she really did have that in spades. So we can make a lot of comments about she really snowed a lot of old white men. Mm-hmm. She did some things to bolster some of those confidence kind of things. Like she changed her voice. She didn't always sound like that, but right. I think that she learned that to be taken seriously, you need to come across as more masculine. Mm-hmm. And so this is how she ended up with this very low, deep voice because it inspires more people to buy what you're selling. Yeah. And she wanted to be like Steve Jobs. So she wore black (laughs) turtlenecks and she was in middle school and she wore black turtlenecks, black jackets, black slacks, black fucking pantyhose or stockings or whatever, and really ugly black shoes. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, she discussed, I can't be bothered picking out and matching stuff. I just, I have the same, like 20 sets of the same exact clothes. So in the morning I can just get dressed. Okay, but you have time to put that horrible makeup on. Yeah, I agree. It was all for a reason. Like, she chooses sort of a red lip. She goes for, like, you know, a black eyeliner. So eyeshadow. Yeah, it's just, it's a little rough. Mm -hmm. But this was all to convey this image of, I'm really, really dedicated to this. And they said all that was ever in her fridge was a bunch of bottled water. She ate all her meals at the office. She slept four hours a night, which I don't I don't know why we love those kind of stories as a culture. It's just not good for you. I don't know what else we are to say about that. Maybe that's it. Maybe we've just hit on it, and that was her downfall. She mm-hmm. wasn't sleeping. She went crazy, and now look what happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And we solved the case. You're welcome. That's right, everyone. <laughs> Leave it to us. We'll be here um, all week. And all the people that she worked with bought it, too. They were all super impressed by her. I mean, she was a young female CEO, and that is impressive. And that's probably one of my biggest takeaways is like, God damn it, I wish she hadn't been so horrible. Yep. I think it just makes it harder for the rest of the women. I think part of the problem, much like we talked about with the Fire Festival and Billy, mm-hmm. is they get into college, they're there for five minutes, they get these grand ideas, and they can't <laughs> be bothered to stay in college to learn about how to execute these ideas correctly. And they drop Mm -hmm. out and then just spend all their time trying to make it work. Do Mm -hmm. you think, because she was going to school for, I don't know, biotech. She was at Stanford. So I don't know what exactly Mm -hmm. she was going to school for, engineering maybe. Mm -hmm. That maybe had she stayed in school, she would have learned a little bit about physics and thermodynamics. And, you know, that might have helped her understand why her box wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. Or just in general, how the science behind what she was doing would work. And she might have been able to do something actually beneficial. Yeah, I think it's wasted potential. I mean, because mm-hmm. she certainly had the drive to do right? something incredible. But it's this idea that this is the hill I'm going to die on, right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. going to do whatever it takes to get this done. It doesn't matter, you know, if the naysayers out there in my life are, I mean, have a few good points. 
I, you know, I don't understand that concept of like, there's nobody out here that can redirect your focus a little bit. You don't listen to anyone. Right. She did it. She went and talked to a professor, Dr. Phyllis Gardner. He's a professor mm-hmm. of medicine at Stanford. And this woman had discussed how she's been there for like ever. And mm-hmm. she's worked with a lot of students. She started mm-hmm. a couple of businesses. So a lot of them come and talk to her about these things. And mm-hmm. it started off with Elizabeth wanted to do a patch that would detect illness and then deliver antibiotics. Okay. Mm-hmm. First of all, antibiotics, it's not a cure-all, right? <laughs> different ones cure different things. Right. There are types and uses specific and blah, blah, yes. blah. Yeah. Yeah. And let's, let's create more superbugs anyway. <laughs> but beside that, Dr. Gardner was saying how, okay, but the way antibiotics work, it's not going to work with that delivery system, right? The antibiotics will not work in your mm-hmm. system that way for this reason. Elizabeth just wouldn't listen. She came back a couple times mm-hmm. and finally Dr. Gardner's like, listen, I clearly cannot help you. Let me direct mm-hmm. you towards some people who can possibly help you. Right. Which was a great approach. Yeah, right. Yeah, as an advisor. Yeah. Absolutely. But then she, I think, went to Channing Robertson, mm-hmm. who was a Stanford professor as well, left his tenured position at Stanford to work for Theranos. He became an advisor at Theranos. That's something. I'm telling you, I need to work on my pitch for anything <laughs> I ever want to do because it is possible to smooth over. I mean, like you can hook anybody on anything is what I learned from listening, like, I really need to up my eye contact and my, I don't know, whatever it is that I don't have. People will buy it if you sell hard enough, I guess. I think a lot of times if you say stuff with enough confidence, people are like, okay, well, they know what they're talking about. Even if it's total bullshit, well, they totally know what Mm -hmm. they're talking about. Okay. Yeah. I just don't have enough confidence. I don't know. Even if I do know what I'm talking about and that's my area of expertise, I'm like, well, because, okay, in science in general, you're never going to have 100% anything, right? It's just not the way it works. So I'd be Mm -hmm. like, well... We're pretty sure that the earth is round. Pretty fucking sure. But that's mm-hmm. as much as you get. <laughs> not going to get absolutes because that's not how we work. Yeah, right. We know that there's always more to learn. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there are people out there who can really deliver it, I guess. Yeah, not me. Mm. Okay. So a couple other people we talked to, well, not personally, some of the people who work there. So you have Erica Chung, who was a lab associate. Mm-hmm. Fucking love that girl. Cheryl Gaffner, who is a receptionist, she's the one that said she's like, in the interview, she didn't blink like once. (laughs) That would be terrifying to interview with someone like that, right? I mean, I don't understand. So that's so contrary to normal behavior that it obviously stood out. So I'm like, did she take some kind of drops? Because they do have drops for that. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you ever get like eye surgery or something, they can give you drops that make it so you don't blink so much. Now, I also think it like probably is not great for the muscles in your eyes either. But I'm like, how did she pull that off? I regularly play staring contests with my kids and it's a crapshoot. <laughs> Depends on how dry it is that day. Right. Her eyes were like always red too. I assume it's because she never blinked and her eyes were just crying out for moisture. Mm-hmm. We also meet David Philippides. He was an engineer. Douglas Machi. Machi. Yeah. yeah, he was a biochemist. Mm-hmm. So these are people working there and, and kind of discussing what the environment was like. I think it was Douglas who was discussing during the interview process, like they didn't really tell him what they do, what he would be doing. But he's like, that's fairly common in startups. But still, I want to tour the lab. I want to see what I'm working with, you know, <laughs> something. Yeah. But I don't know. 
So we also meet Tony Nugent, like Ted, but better than Ted. He was mm-hmm. the VP of product development. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because he's kind of discussing how they're trying to make this box work and how the automation, you know, you're trying to put so many different tests in one tiny little box and trying to make the machine pick up a sample accurately and move it over here accurately and dilute accurately and then test accurately and all these things, how it it needs to be like a dance. And it's true. Every time I watch automation, that's what I think about. It blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In this case, it just wasn't working quite as well. Right. Yeah, if you ever seen lab automation, they are usually large machines. You have to put stuff in them, like mm-hmm. diluents and buffers and pipette tips and stuff like that. But none of that was part of this. It was like supposed to be freestanding. I just find that really interesting. Like two hundred and some tests. How do you manage all that in a very small area? Like so mm-hmm. this is supposed to be a triumph of nanotechnologies and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, lab automation is great until it breaks. Oh, yeah. But I just don't know how this was supposed to work, which is, of course, what all these people are also saying, like, sounds great. But the reality is we cannot make this happen. Yeah. There are a couple of, well, there are a lot of issues involved. Part of it is that she doesn't understand what goes into it. There is a comment that she makes at one point in time Mm -hmm. saying lab testing hasn't changed since the 50s, which is complete fucking bullshit. Obviously, it's changed. It's become much more sensitive and much better. And obviously, we know what to test for more now. And even we mm-hmm. we do some micro testing. We do blood spot analysis. We do mm-hmm. nitro tubes and use very small amounts of blood. We we're really going in that direction. But that's for one test, right? I have a blood mm-hmm. spot for one test and then another blood spot for another test and another, you know, it just amazes me that she didn't listen to a single person <laughs> that knew what they were doing right? She just had this idea. And if you ever said no, then you were gone. Or suggest otherwise, like, yeah, could we make it bigger? I mm-hmm. mean, this is the box in general. Could we try something different? And all of her answers were like, look, this is what we've built this on. We have sort of promised this little miracle and it has to be this one way and you guys have to figure it out. And it didn't matter that they had temperature control issues. It didn't matter that they were dealing with constant fucking updates. And that part made me mad too, because it is very difficult to be working on something and then find out, oh, your software is updated or what. I mean, I can't even imagine the mm-hmm. kind of obstacles that they were dealing with because they would get, you know, one or two different things to work and then, you know, weren't really able to build on anything from there. So... Yeah. I mean, again, it's like the fire festival. You're selling a product mm-hmm. that you don't have. And I understand, especially when you're a startup, you have to sell the idea mm-hmm. of it, but at some mm-hmm. point you need a product to deliver. And so yeah. they're constantly selling something, saying they have something they don't have yet. Mm-hmm. They, to me, are the same person in just two different <laughs> environments. No, I totally agree. And I think it's interesting too, because they started to skew, you know, as these problems became more apparent and your experts were saying like, look, we're going to have to have some give somewhere, you know, could we start smaller? Could we start with Mm -hmm. less, you know, whatever? And nope, nope, can't do it. So then those people would be let go or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we started to bring in younger and younger people who were maybe a Mm -hmm. little bit more naive, not dumb or incapable, but not quite the experts in their field as some of the other people that she'd had on staff were. Right. Some of the early donators and founders of this company are like Avi Tavani who was a former head of Apple mm-hmm. at some point in time. Larry Ellison, who's the Oracle founder. Don Lucas, who was also an Oracle contributor. 
He's the one that described she was about 21, had no business background, but she had people on both sides of her family. She had business on one side and medicine on the other, like her grandparents. And so clearly it's in the bloodline. This isn't blue eyes. This is. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's learning through osmosis, right? I guess. You're transmitting learned information down through the the generations. And I'm like, that's not how this works. (laughs) No, my dad was a pilot. You don't want me to try to fly a fucking plane. I guarantee that. (laughs) Not without some training. I mean, it makes for a good story, right? Like that's a good talking point. Like, oh, I bought into this because, you know, obviously from an early age, she was discussing complex medical procedures over dinner. Like she was not. Thanks. No, she wasn't. Mm -hmm. I talked to Tim Draper, who was an investor, friend of the family, first investor in Tesla and Skype and Hotmail, et cetera. Okay. Those eyebrows. They're their (laughs) own thing. And I'm pretty sure that's where he's getting the investing information. Like they talk yeah. to him and they tell him where to invest. Whisper to him at night yes. and stuff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We like blue horseshoe or whatever, you know. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Little Wall Street reference for you guys. Yeah. Another person I talked to is Taylor Schultz, a research engineer. He's George Schultz, Schultz's grandson. George Schultz was mm-hmm. the Secretary of State, I believe. During the Iran-Contra scandal, is what he said. Because mm-hmm. he makes a comment, if he could get through that. And I'm like, yeah, but how complicit was he in that scandal? I didn't look it up, but <laughs> I kind of want to know. Well, he says that his grandfather got through some of these things with his integrity intact. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, that feels like a perspective, but okay. Right. Which means that he wasn't like fired. and didn't, It doesn't mean he wasn't part of the problem. He just got out mm-hmm. of it without being implicated. Right. He was unscathed. Yeah. James Mattis, who is a big time general, he was a board member. Harry Kissinger was a board member. A lot of old white men is really what it comes down to. Yeah. And they looked at those big eyes and I guess that's all it took. I guess. I mean, again, her delivery must have been something else. Do you like to think that there's like Dr. Phyllis Gardner, who was like, "Mm -mm, I don't buy it, sis. So maybe if she tried to hit up women more often, they would have been like, nah. Yeah. Also, none of these people were experts in the field or had really any knowledge of the engineering, the bioengineering, the the medicine portion of this. And so it was easier to throw around a couple big words and make it sound like you really know what you're talking about with people who Mm -hmm. have no idea what you're talking about. And then they'll just nod along and be like, yeah, sure. Here's all of my money. Well, do you think they were like is this really possible? And she's like, yep, sure is. And then they're like, here's $100,000 or whatever. Right. I, it just blows my mind. I mean, Dr. Phyllis even said that. She said she didn't want medical experts. You know, she some of the engineering because she was making something that mm-hmm. she needed engineers, but mm-hmm. not the medical. She aligned herself with old, powerful men that she could charm. Yeah. Men are so fucking easy. Sorry. I guess. <laughs> I mean... Not for me, clearly, but for someone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So we talked to Roger Parloff a little bit. He's with the Fortune magazine. Mm-hmm. He's doing a big article on her, asked about like military contracts. Of course, she couldn't talk about them. Hush, hush. hush, mm-hmm. hush. Wink, wink. Yep. Yeah. But the military really wanted to test out these instruments before they put them in use. And of course, she wouldn't let that happen. And mm-hmm. so those contracts kind of fell through. Fizzled. Mm-hmm. 
it's the one time I'm going to be like, good job, government. She controlled all the demonstrations of the prototypes, right? Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because what she said, what he wrote in this article, he's like, it was, it was comically vague. Here's Mm -hmm. what she said. This is what happens. A chemistry is performed so that a chemical reaction occurs and generates a signal from the chemical interaction with the sample, which is translated into a result, which is then reviewed by a certified laboratory personnel. That is a high schooler writing a paper about chemistry. Chemistry happened because of chemistry. That's what she said. <laughs> I'm like, a chemistry is performed. Okay. I mean. Yeah. So that a chemical reaction occurs. Right. I'm like, a chemistry is performing. I don't know. You got to have something better than that. It's so <sighs> bad. That to me. So mm-hmm. when you say that she speaks with conviction, when I hear that, I'm mm-hmm. like, and no, <laughs> I don't even think it's because I actually am a chemist. But I think even John, who is not a chemist, is like, I know exactly what that means. That means she doesn't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But even though the military didn't buy it, there were a lot of other places that did. So she talks a great game. Mm-hmm. She is super convincing. But even in the demonstrations, you know, or she didn't demonstrate anything at all. And people still did it. Yeah. So. Yeah. They talk about that. So now we're introduced to Sonny Balwani. He's mm. the president and COO of Theranos. Also her partner at the time, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. I think he was big in other kind of tech companies, but not medical. So he mm-hmm. had to assume that she knew what she was doing. Yeah. He was like an IT guy or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was really, he, I mean, he stood up in front of the employees with a microphone and talked a good game, right? They show a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, however, it looked like there were snacks provided at these big meetings. And I maintained <laughs> that I'll buy anything if there's a donut or a brownie attached to it. Listen... I have a meeting tomorrow, and if there are not cookies, I'm walking out immediately. Yeah, it puts people in a good mood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They sold a contract to Walgreens. So they sold a contract for something that they couldn't actually do, and even once they put it in production, they could not do it. They still couldn't do it. Like you said, they couldn't regulate Mm -hmm. the temperature. They couldn't regulate the transfer of fluid. Mm -hmm. There was blood spilling inside all over the place. Can you imagine? I'm so grossed out by this. Devices would freeze up. Pieces would fall off in the middle of testing and centrifuges would blow up. Yes. Again, if you have any experience in lab automation, the shit works great until it doesn't work and they they do break. And these are things that are built to do one test or they're programmed to do one thing. They're not programmed to do 50 different things. So it's like (laughs) a space shuttle all folded into this tiny box. And again, it's it's a wonderful thought, but without some kind of magic, it's not going to work. Right. At least not yet, right? Yeah. And then they show some automation or the animation, sorry, of the technicians like sticking their hands in there. And I'm like, oh my God, it's ugh. Well, yes, because one of them was talking about how they were just taking donors off the street for blood for testing, right? And who knows, these people just needed money, right. so they donated blood. You've probably got some diseases in there. Mm-hmm. 80 plus percent of the mm-hmm. population has HPV for crying out loud. So that's got to be in there. Right. Hepatitis and things like that. And so, you know, you're sticking your hand in there with broken glass, needles. It is a black box and you don't know what's going to hit your hand and, you know, you're going to get contaminated. It just. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff, it was seized up. So you can't, it's not reliable that it's not going to move on mm-hmm. you. 
You know what I mean? So just, it's so problematic. Yeah. I hope they got paid really well. I'm guessing not. Well, even if they did, the cost of living there is so expensive that even if they got paid well, they probably still live like trash. Yeah, you're probably right. But they talked about how for investors, they would come in, they would take a blood stick of, you know, one of the investor's fingers and they would put it in the Edison and then they'd walk out because they're like, oh, it's going to take like 45 minutes to run all these tests. And then a technician would come in, take Mm -hmm. the blood, run downstairs, run these tests on third party instruments and run back up and give them the data. Mm -hmm. And then they would come back in and be like, ta-da, here's your data. And they were just wowed. And it was all a ruse. Right. And they're doing things like diluting these blood samples, which is against regulation for the equipment that they're using. And so that starts to become a theme too. So it's whatever we need to do to get results on time. It doesn't matter if they're correct. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see that the scam is starting to escalate. And so even at the Walgreens stuff, so they put these little wellness centers in and you're supposed to go in and, you know, do your finger stick and order your own fucking lab work, which is something else. Off a menu, right? Oh my, it's an overwhelming menu in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, I don't know what half the stuff is. Like mm-hmm. I understand what a hepatitis test is or, you know, I would think common blood stuff, but I wouldn't know about enzymes and, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that, that might indicate whether you had a cardiac disease or whatever. You need someone to interpret this stuff for you. Mm -hmm. And all of that was sort of removed from this idea. They like, look, it's going to be direct into your hands. You're just not going to know what to do with it. (laughs) Or you're going to go on Google and look it up and then you have cancer. It doesn't matter if you just have an eye twitch, it's cancer. I mean, it's among the commonest symptoms. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, so people start to go in there to these Walgreens in Arizona where the contract was, and they end up getting more venipunctures. So they had to have phlebotomists who were going in and taking samples from patients the old school way with the puncturing your veins and drawing lots of blood. And the phlebotomists were instructed to start lying to people and saying like, oh, because of this test that's been requested for you, we're going to have to do it the old school way. And then they would ship Mm -hmm. those samples off to some hastily constructed lab in Palo Alto Mm -hmm. where they were doing the same tests that everybody else was doing. So again, it's bait and switch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that Elizabeth says, oh, we're trying to remove the human error portion of like sample tracking and sample movement and sample. And I'm like, oh, so you're just going to put all the error in the testing then? Is that what we're doing? (laughs) Moving that Mm -hmm. over? People are touching it a hundred times. They're pulling samples. They're diluting them. They're running them. Everything that fell out of her face became a lie. Yeah. And let's talk about Ian Gibbons. He was a blood test specialist and Mm -hmm. he had a PhD from Cambridge. So he was like legit. Right. And he was a little bit older, was a wealth of knowledge, would mentor the younger chemists. Everyone that talked about him spoke highly of him. Right. Right. Yeah. He was revered. Yes. But because she started cutting corners and doing things that were not ethical, he started bringing it up and, mm-hmm. you know, started pushing against Sonny and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And that's, they essentially, it was like the non-funny version of Office Space. They just pushed him into the basement with this red stapler, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So as doubts become harder to ignore, people are starting to speak up. Ian's in the forefront of this. There's a lot of paranoia at the workplace. He starts to be devalued. He's getting concerned. Somehow he gets sucked into a 
patent lawsuit of some kind mm-hmm. that he holds alongside Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And this kind of brings everything to a head. So he knows he's going to be put into a situation where he's either going to have to perjure himself. Not great. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to have to be honest about what's going on at this company. Also not great because he's afraid he's going to be fired. Right. What a terrible position to be put in at work. Right. Because he knew they wouldn't support him. I mean, he wasn't going to have the support of that. And then, you know, conversely, if he would perjure himself, I don't think they would have supported him in that either. Oh, no. No, I think he probably would have been let go either way. Right. Yeah. Because it's a liability yeah. at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. He asked his wife. If she thought he was going to be fired, and she said yes, mm-hmm. and he ended up killing himself that night. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how she feels, even though, you know, logically she knows what she said didn't cause him to do that, but I'm sure she mm-hmm. took that blame for a long time. Sure. But the response from Theranos was essentially, yeah, could you just ship all this shit back that belongs to us? Elizabeth never got a hold of her, never apologized. No one ever got a hold of Rochelle, his wife. Mm-hmm. They just wanted his data back. Which is really funny, I mean, in the fact that Elizabeth spends a lot of time on any kind of the interviews that she's doing or commercials that she's doing or whatever, and she's talking about, this is really to make people's lives better. We want people to have their family members around longer. So she's really playing mm-hmm. up that heartstrings element, that family, mm-hmm. you know, all this kind of stuff. And then something like this happens when you're like, that's completely contrary to everything she's trying to sell to everyone. She didn't give a shit about anybody else. No. Like I said, this wasn't an altruistic venture for her. Mm -mm. But yeah, the employees talk about extreme paranoia. Mm -hmm. She had bulletproof glass on her outer windows. (laughs) She had bodyguards follow her Mm -hmm. around. They monitored all badge access everywhere. They discussed emails that were sent without Sunny or Elizabeth copied on it. Mm-hmm. But one of them would respond. So then you know that you're being monitored at all times. Like keystrokes are being monitored. Right. They couldn't talk about Theranos outside of work because if anything negative came out, they could be held liable for it. Mm-hmm. Employees start getting paranoid of one another. They start siloing different groups mm-hmm. and keeping them separate from other groups, which makes creating a project and creating this instrument that they want to create that's going to take multiple groups. That makes it very difficult to do if you're not talking to the other people. Right? Mm hmm. It's very contrary. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, yeah, in 2013, Theranos went live with testing at Walgreens, but only in Arizona. Mm hmm. The patient samples were tested in labs, not on site, which is what was advertised. Mm hmm. So, there are a couple things that happened with this. Going live at Walgreens brought in more investors, which is what they needed. Mm-hmm. They needed that money. Yeah. But it also kind of pissed some patients off. If you're going in for a finger stick and now you're getting a vein draw, people would get pissed. People wanted their money back. People would walk out. So Mm -hmm. that's not good. Which puts your phlebotomists and and stuff in a bad position, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced like somebody that can't find your vein or whatever. It's just horrible. So I understand the patient's perspective of why maybe a finger stick would be better. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and it's marketed this way, like, oh, it's the worst, I'd, you know, I have vials of your blood. I mean, like, yes. like debilitating amounts of blood being drawn is sort of what they're saying. And then, but we're going to have to do that for this one test because, you know, mm-hmm. that's what your doctors ordered and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So kind of funny. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous, right? So Patrick O'Neill mm-hmm. is the chief creative officer and he talks about making commercials. Like he's like, listen, I don't know Jack all about the medical side or the engineering side. I'm just here mm-hmm. to make it sound good. Right. First of all, he hired 
Errol Morris. I saw that too. Yeah, the director of Tabloid and also <laughs> Wormwood, if you've ever seen it. Okay, gotcha. Right? So, of course, the commercial is going to be amazing with Errol at the helm. Mm-hmm. But they talk a lot about they have potential customers, they have actual customers, they have Elizabeth on there. A lot of what they're talking about is the cost of it, which is mm-hmm. good. I get that because it was cheaper in theory. If you mm-hmm. look at the menu, the overwhelming menu, mm-hmm. one or two tests weren't that bad. Mm-hmm. And so you could do it without insurance. And that part of it, mm-hmm. that's the only part of all of this. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. Mm-hmm. The problem is you're not getting good data for that money. I mean, you get what you pay for, I guess. Eh. Is this the point in the documentary that they mentioned, like some of the other big players in the blood testing market had gotten in trouble for gouging Medicare and doing some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a little bit more fuel to the fire to say, look, the options that you have currently may not be great options. So we're going to come in and offer this as well. So, I mean, all of this is tied into, again, this sounds great in concept. Mm -hmm. I can get a test of whatever. I wish I had written some of those different tests down, but I can get something done for $7. Okay. What does it mean? Right. Nothing by itself, probably. (laughs) (laughs) And they started in Arizona. The problem is is in Arizona Mm -hmm. and many other states, patients cannot order their own lab tests, right? You have to have a doctor order them. So that's where she was lobbying Arizona to change the law mm-hmm. so the patients could order their own tests kind of a la carte on the menu. And this is where the senator or whomever was just drooling over her. It was obscene to watch. So enamored. It was amazing. Ugh. Right. But the doctors come in and they're like, listen, when I get results from my patient, I can call the lab and say, okay, how did you test this? And they'll tell me exactly how they tested it. But Theranos wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So they're getting these weird sets of data. Sometimes they would have history, years of history. And all of a sudden they're getting really mm-hmm. bizarre data back that doesn't match mm-hmm. the history. Right. And so, you know, the doctors would call, how are you testing this? Mm-hmm. And they would never tell you that. Mm-hmm. So think of this as an example of like thyroid testing. So if you're on thyroid medication for Hajimoto's or something like that, you're getting your thyroid tested every few months. So you have like a good baseline and your daughter, your doctor, who might be your daughter, I don't know, can monitor <laughs> your progress and see if you're on the right dosage and blah, blah, blah. So this is sort of mm-hmm. what they're talking about with these long-term history for people. And then all of a sudden they get their results back from Theranos and they're all over the fucking place, which is really odd. And then they cannot find out the details of why that might be different mm-hmm. um, when they call to ask about that lab work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying. One of them stated that when he had run the syphilis testing, mm-hmm. it was extremely inaccurate. He said if 100 people with syphilis came in and got tested on Theranos, only 65 of them would show up positive. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. That's yep. horrible. Also, yep. you're spreading syphilis everywhere now. And that was acceptable to the company, not to the people maybe that were doing the testing because there seemed to be a lot of unease about results that were being reported out to people and stuff like that from the clinicians that were doing the testing. They were very not cool with that. But if you're getting pressure from the top to keep your little sweet mouth shut, Mm -hmm. that would be a very difficult position to be put in. Right. He said that they would run QCs until they passed. That completely defeats the purpose of a QC. (laughs) But sure, keep on pushing. Yeah. This is a good reminder for us as scientists, like, oh, yeah, that's why we don't do these things, because they don't end well, everyone. You're not going to get away with it. Mm -mm. Let me just put that out there right now. Mm -hmm. 
there are regulations for a reason, mm -hmm. right? They always start off with stupid shit happening, someone getting hurt, someone getting sick. And so government had to come in and regulate it. Mm -hmm. Yep. They tightened it up. Yeah. More regulations. We need to make sure you're doing mm -hmm. this correctly. They're there for a reason, right? They didn't mm -hmm. just put a label on a hairdryer that says, don't blow dry your hair in the shower. Someone fucking did it and died. <laughs> and now we all right. have to look at that label. Right. So we have John Carreyrou. This cat works for the Wall Street Journal. Mm -hmm. He's the author of Bad Blood, which mm -hmm. I still haven't read, but I really want to. Yeah, I need to put it on my list. Yeah. So he gets a tip. Says that there was a lab director that had left Theranos, but he was terrified mm -hmm. to talk to anyone because the lawyers were hounding him and everything. The lab director were hounding the lab director. But he agreed to talk to him if they kept his identity confidential. Mm -hmm. And he told John that the Edison device could only do a couple of the tests. All the other tests were done in the lab on commercially available instruments. Mm -hmm. They were also lying about the accuracy of the test. This is when they talked about syphilis and that. Mm -hmm. So John goes to Walgreens, orders some tests, gets a complete blood draw, mm -hmm. and again, gets the line, your tests actually require a vein draw. Mm -hmm. This is when he starts looking into this. He does an article... After he talks to a couple of the other people mm -hmm. who ended up leaving, a lot of chemists start feeling bad about working there because they're they're churning out data they know that isn't accurate. Mm -hmm. And this data has an effect on people's lives, right? Mm -hmm. And as much as you want to believe what they say when you're in a room and they're playing MC Hammer and pumping everybody up with cookies and whatnot, the minute you get back to the lab, you remember how fucking horrible this is and nothing works. Mm-hmm. And so one girl, Erica Chung, she goes to Sonny and says that she doesn't feel comfortable generating this data and giving it up to patients. He actually told her, you are not qualified to make the call of an accurate result. Sit down and do your job. Um, if she's not fucking qualified, who is? She's the mm -hmm. one generating the results. I just, that's the most condescending bullshit. Well, you want your lab staff to know what they're doing. You know, well, they didn't. I know, but I'm just saying an ethical joint or manager mm -hmm. or whatever wants your staff to be educated enough that they can tell whether something passed or failed. Let's just say it like that. So right. I just can't imagine trying to, I don't know, belittle somebody into just shutting up and just moving the liquid around until we mm -hmm. get what we want and then, you know, just take your paycheck and go away. Well, and especially coming from someone who doesn't have a degree in this area. This is not his area of expertise. And he's going to sit there and mm -hmm. tell her that she's not qualified. Mm -hmm. Ugh, it's just disgusting. Well, again, to kind of contrast that with some of the, you know, they were giving out gift cards and the Errol, Errol Morris commercial mm -hmm. where there's like a mom and a daughter and they're hanging out with grandma and they're like, grandma, we just love you so much. And it's so cheesy and horrible. It is so bad. <laughs> and then they're like, here's a Theranos gift card for your loved one so you can make sure they're not going to kick it, you know, in a matter of months. It's so cheesy. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, does it come with like a life alert bracelet or it's just horrible. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it is bad. But, you know, they discussed the chemist discussed you wanted to believe you wanted it to work so badly. You wanted it to be true. Right. You would continue to try. I mean, they had well, you're this invested. belief in the product. Yeah. 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 So as John is going through and talking to people, he talks to the FDA. 
a chief medical person mm-hmm. at the FDA. That's vague. <laughs> they have not provided enough information for the FDA to clear or approve the tests are accurate. Okay. So it's interesting that they're pushing this, this test and this device without any kind of approval. None. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Like it's just pressure city, right? Like we're going to flood you guys with a bunch of letters. We don't really want you to come mm-hmm. to our facility and look at anything. We're going to try mm-hmm. to be in good with the Obama administration or whatever to try to keep the heat off of us long enough so we can, again, I truly mm-hmm. think that they wanted to get this sucker to work, but right. there was not enough progress to think that it was ever going to really happen. And all the people involved were like, we don't feel great about this much again. Like the fire mm-hmm. festival is like, at some point you're going to have to call it. Yeah. Well, when Elizabeth was asked, when the Mm-hmm. reporter asked her about the quote she said there was more to it and if he persisted and wrote that that it could hurt the company and she had to talk to her lawyers mm-hmm. before discussing yeah it could hurt the company couldn't it mm-hmm. they also talk about cms which is the regulatory body by which the government audits labs that do clinical testing mm-hmm. it's it's the federal agency responsible right so mm-hmm. theranos only gave CMS data for the third-party machines, none of the Edison data. Like, they showed him the lab, which would look like a LabCorp lab or a Quest Diagnostics lab. It looked like any other clinical testing lab right. that they're, you know, throwing under the bus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they didn't show them the Edison at all. They didn't show them any mm-hmm. of the data that comes from the Edison or the finger sticks. Only the vein draw testing and third-party testing. So, of course, they get mm-hmm. some approval. They don't have full CLIA approval. I think Mm -mm. it was just a couple tests that were approved. Right. It's just abhorrent. And, you know, it's tough to hear this because it affects people. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the only reason they're doing this is to keeping the money going. Right. So it's problematic. Right. And listen, Mm -hmm. I get it. These audits suck. They're a bitch. They're a lot of work. (laughs) And you have someone over your shoulder, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's necessary. Yeah. From the patient perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. You want everything well vetted. You want everything evaluated against strict standards mm-hmm. because that stuff's going inside you or your loved one. And yeah, as as the person trying to get this stuff done in a particular time, you want to get it done. But at the same time, it's that balance of getting it done well. And that's the piece that they're missing here. <laughs> so, right, yeah. right. So Tyler Schultz quits. It, it gets too much and he decides to quit. And he shows his grandfather all of the discrepancies and all the data. But unfortunately, his grandfather didn't believe Tyler mm-hmm. and was just full-blown drinking the Kool-Aid from Elizabeth's cup. And it would say things like, you know, she said that you might be mistaken. I don't think that you're lying. I just think you're mistaken or things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, how sad that you're going to look at this person and I don't know. I mean, this is your grandchild that you've known for a while. Now, maybe he's sketchy as hell. I don't know. Maybe he's lied every time he's <laughs> talked to you. That could be the yeah. case, but he seems legit. Well, I mean, this kid idolizes his grandfather, right? Like, you get that from mm-hmm. the very beginning that he's like, you know, this is, I mean, he says his grandfather, you know, had integrity throughout his whole career. So this kid mm-hmm. is trying to emulate that. He's trying to mm-hmm. stand up for what he believes in. And then his grandpa comes in and cuts his knees out from underneath him. Right. For somebody else in this family that's, I mean, she's not in the family. Evidently, she was around a lot because he talks about, well, they went to birthday parties and stuff. And I'm like, all right, just simmer the fuck down. Yeah. 
but yeah, to have your grandfather who you, you know, really, I don't know, just really want to be like kind of blow you off Mm -hmm. is really unfortunate. Yeah, it is. And this man's in his nineties. So, I mean, like he'd been around for a minute or two. Yeah. Yeah. So then Tyler discusses, he decides to talk to John Carreyrou. Carreyrou reached out to him Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he's like, of course, they all sign these extreme non-disclosures. It's not like a little non-disclosure. It's like you'll mm-hmm. never even mention Theranos ever again. You'll never again think about it again. Yeah. yeah. So he gets a burner phone and he, you know, talks to him about the article. Unfortunately, John sends some questions to Theranos and it has exact numbers that are ones that Tyler had already brought up to them. So mm-hmm. like, I think 42.7% accuracy or something it was a very specific number that he had emailed them and so they could be like okay obviously he's talking to this person because Mm -hmm. this is the exact same information he had already sent us yeah and that's unfortunate because then they get lawyers involved scary Mm -hmm. lawyers who i think it's hilarious because they're bringing him up i didn't write his name down because honestly i don't give a fuck and he was the lawyer for for theranos and they're like he was this big deal and you know he helped all these people and he was amazing. And then they say, and he helped out Harvey Weinstein through his accusers. I'm like, and there it is. <laughs> yeah. David Boise. Boise. Yeah, sure. yeah. He was maybe the biggest name in American lawyer land. <laughs> that sounds like a horrible theme park to visit. I want no part of it. <laughs> right. The litigation drop, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. But um <laughs> Yeah, he's really scary, and there's a giant name behind this. Oh, and he has stock in Theranos, so... Of course. Yeah, so it's completely mm-hmm. unbiased. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Erica also talks to John Carreyrou, because mm-hmm. this man is... I mean, he's on it. He's getting everybody. Mm-hmm. But of course, then, she's getting sued as well. And she said she was like 23 years old. You're just a kid at that point. Of course, you don't have money to fight against these big-time lawyers. How terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, she was able to become a whistleblower for protection. Mm -hmm. So she was able to talk to them and still get protected under whistleblower protocol. I don't know what you would call that. Whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. She reaches out directly to the FDA, right? Yeah. Tyler goes to his grandfather's house and was met by Theranos lawyers there with a notice to appear in court. What's interesting is that these people are there I don't even think there were lawyers because later you see his grandfather talking to he's being deposed or something. They're like, were the lawyers there? Mm-hmm. And the grandfather was like, no, they weren't lawyers. I'd call them monsters. They just attacked my grandson. And the people were like, they attacked him. He's like, well, verbally they attacked him. And then, you know, he had to jump in and pull him apart. And can you imagine a 95 year old man having to break up a fight? I don't see how that's going to end well. But didn't it happen? Like he calls Tyler over to the house. Yes. And so it's just like, you're not unaware of what is going down. So yes. again, you kind of spring this on your grandson, like, okay, thanks for the lesson, paps, you know, <laughs> unbelievable. I think he thought it would be like, I don't know, more professional and they were just like thugs or something. I guess. Either way, the notices mm-hmm. would get canceled later, but Tyler's family spent between four and $500,000 in lawyers to fight the lawsuits. I mean... It's crazy. Most people don't have that and would not be able to fight back, right? Right. I don't know. I hope this kid gets some therapy or his grandfather pays for a bunch of shit later. I don't know. (laughs) Right. I'm glad his parents backed him up, but Mm -hmm. for fuck's sake, dude. Right. Yeah. 
John Caribou finally gets an interview with Theranos, but the lawyers show up with recorders. They act like it's a deposition, Mm -hmm. and it's so funny. He's like, I just want to know how it works. And then the lawyers are like, listen, it's like you asking us to uh, give you the formula for Coca-Cola just to prove there's no arsenic in it. I want you to test the Coca-Cola and make sure there's no arsenic in it. (laughs) That's what I want. And I want you to tell me how you test it. Right. They use this guise of trade secret Mm -hmm. to get away with. To hide everything. Yes. And it's like, is it a trade secret? Like, we don't have to tell you everything about it. We don't have to tell you the formulas of the buffers and stuff. But the general mechanics probably should be part of the discussion. Right. You should have a patent out there for Mm -hmm. this. It should be regulated. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Everything about it is horrible. Apparently, the FDA did approve a test (laughs) out of 250. In 2015, on the 4th of July, the FDA approved a rarely used test for herpes to be run on the Edison. Mm -hmm. One test. My favorite Mm -hmm. part of this is they have a big party in this lunchroom or whatever. You're right. They're snacks. And they have Mm -hmm. MC Hammer playing Can't Touch This. Now. Is it irony that he also lost hundreds of millions of dollars really fast? <laughs> or did they plan that? I'm not sure, but. Yeah, there's a lot of like fist pumping and stuff when she comes in the room to can't touch this. Um, <laughs> no. For one test. Mm-hmm. One test. Like if this had happened early on before they actually had anything in Walgreens. So at this mm-hmm. point, Walgreens has already pulled out their contract. They want no part yeah, of it. They're like, we out. Yeah. So if this had happened early on, I get it. Then you absolutely celebrate. That's your first step to getting more stuff approved, Mm -hmm. right? But this Mm -hmm. is a day late and a dollar short, in my opinion. This is also when the Wall Street Journal article comes out. And it's not good. It kind of just spills the beans on Theranos. Mm -hmm. But the good thing is, the lawyers are no longer busy suing the former employees because now they're busy suing the Wall Street Journal. So there's that. Yeah. Elizabeth Holmes addressed the article. She's like, it's all false. It's all lies. We've even talked to the people that John Carreyrou talked to when they said they were taken out of context and they weren't quoted correctly. And that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. You didn't talk to anybody. And she frames it too. in a lot of these, like, you know, when you go up against the powers that be, it's always going to be like this. We're always going to be attacked because we're trying to disrupt the status quo. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. That's it. I would feel more confident if maybe you guys weren't giant liars also. You know right. what I'm saying? It was just really funny that she always goes back to this whole thing about, I want people to have more time with their loved ones. And anytime anybody questions us, it's because we're different. And we're trying to change things. It it couldn't possibly be that they actually have some legit reasons to do so. Mm-hmm. Well, because of this, FDA bans the use of nanotainers, the tiny little containers mm-hmm. that held the blood, the tiny little milliliters of blood. Mm-hmm. CMS, the regulatory body, did a surprise inspection of the lab and found the blood testing was so inaccurate that it posed a threat to patient safety likely to cause serious harm or death Mm -hmm. that's fucking extreme man yeah that's crazy they revoked their license to operate the letter from erica chung was what prompted cms to act so she wrote to them yep you go girl she should come work with us yeah wouldn't it be awesome yeah although she probably doesn't want to live in the midwest if you're from california (laughs) but whatever it's so cheap to live here erica i'm telling you come right and we have fun at work i mean there are no cookies at the meetings 
Sometimes our cookies at the meetings. <laughs> There's no MC. Well, I though. think the the answer is when we used to have meetings, we could have cookies, but we don't have meetings anymore. <laughs> like they're all they're all online now. So fucking COVID. I'm just gonna start bringing my own cookies and eating them during the meeting on camera. So I'm gonna. Hopefully, do. you have to open them from a real crinkly package. That'd be swell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're that's all crummy I'll just start all over you and stuff. Hard candy in my mouth before I talk during a meeting. <laughs> Ooh, is that a Werther's? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking awful. <sighs> okay. So this does not deter Elizabeth. In October of 2015, she goes to a tech conference and she discusses mm-hmm. how inaccurate the article was. We never mm-hmm. use commercially available analyzers for finger tests. Sure, Jan. Mm-hmm. All untrue. Mm-hmm. Roger Parloff, who wrote this glowing article of her and and Fortune, he reads the Wall Street Journal and he's like, the fuck? So he tries to get a hold of her just so she can, you know, talk to him about it. And she's too mm-hmm. busy doing other stuff, you know. And so he wrote another article a few months after the Wall Street Journal article and mm-hmm. about how he was deceived intentionally by Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. She had a huge issue with that language, mm-hmm. essentially called and told him if he doesn't remove that language, then, you know, they'll have to pursue legal matters, which is always the go-to, isn't it? Well, it sounds scary. Mm -hmm. I think journalists are probably used to that shit though, right? I figure every other day they get that call. Yeah. If you are some kind of investigative journalist that has to be part of the credo, right? Like I will not flinch at the first hint of legal action. You know, I think that's why they check their sources. Yeah. If you're not threatened with lawsuit, you're not doing your job well. Yeah, you need to up the factor of your expose, <laughs> right? You know? Yeah. So they kind of discussed this a little bit. The behavioral economist, I can't remember his name. Dan? Was it Dan? Yeah. Dan discusses, he's like, do we think she knowingly lied? Or did she believe it so much that she was kind of blind to the reality of what was going on? Like people lie to themselves to keep going, right? Mm-hmm. It's a survival instinct. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think she fucking knew. I think she lied. I think it was a CYA thing. I do too. She wanted it to work so badly, much like Billy. They wanted it to work and they had not failed mm-hmm. up until that point. And so they didn't think they could fail until they did very badly. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And they show her doing some interviews later where she didn't have any idea that things weren't going the way they were supposed to be mm-hmm. going. And you're like, bullshit we saw you walking through the lab occasionally in your white coat obviously you knew everything about everything Mm -hmm. you know she was intimately involved even down to the interviews for all the people that work there you're telling me that she was interviewing receptionists but she wasn't very much aware of what was going on in her lab nope i don't believe that yeah Mm -hmm. she tried to blame it on oh lab directors or oversight of the lab and Mm -hmm. you know whatever she didn't give up she started showing a mini lab, which is essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. It just, it's amazing. By 2017, all the money raised was gone. Mm-hmm. She fired Sunny, day late and a dollar short, but sure, board members quit. A lot of that money was gone because they were forced to reimburse every Arizona patient. <laughs> they had to refund all of their money from any testing. That's the least they should do. What if they had treatments that were not called for? Hopefully they had good doctors that were like, this is weird. Let's get a second opinion, you know? 
Right. So there maybe wasn't as much impact as there could have been because, I mean, yeah, absolutely. In the finding of uh, the CMS or whoever that said, look, this could result in patient death. Hopefully Mm -hmm. all that was done before somebody actually died. It's just, it's very, very sad. I do think it's funny when you kind of, at the end of the documentary, after all this is going on and and they're exposed, then, then she brings out the mechanics and how the Edison works. And then she goes to all these conferences and she's trying to like you said, kind of a lot of CYA action. And Mm -hmm. you're just like, bitch, it's too late. (laughs) Like, you're sunk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, in 2018, Theranos was dissolved. Elizabeth Mm -hmm. and Sonny were charged with conspiracy and fraud. They pleaded not guilty. However, 2022, because everything got pushed back for COVID. I think it was supposed to start in 2020, the trial. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Holmes was found guilty in January of this year of three counts of wire fraud and one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. She was found not guilty on four other fraud charges that had to do with patient data and testing, which I am fucking dumbfounded by. You have the CMS saying, listen, they're possibly harming people. They're really fucking up here. And you're Mm going to say, no, she she didn't really mean to do that. Mm -hmm. She did. She knew what she was doing. But again, if it's a jury... And she looked at them with those fucking eyes. They probably had to say that. Yeah, they were probably terrified. Yeah. Or hypnotized. I'm not sure which. I would like to know what her defense was. I didn't really look into that, but. I didn't either, but I know I did read a little bit about it. She blamed Sonny for a lot of it. She said that he, (laughs) he was the problem and he made her do these things or he was taking care of it and she wasn't doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, His trial is supposed to start in March. Okay. It'd be interesting when he goes. She did everything. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I'm not surprised that they weren't tried together, but Mm -hmm. I'm surprised she went with Sunny. That's interesting. I suppose that's the move if you have the first trial, though. You know what I mean? Like, plausible deniability would have been my guess. Like, oh, the lab directors were lying to me or blah, blah, blah was what I would have guessed. But um, interesting that she's trying to pin it on on her right-hand man. Right. The most interesting to me about this is the fact that she goes through getting investors billions of dollars or millions or whatever Mm -hmm. because she's confident. She knows what she's talking about and she's a strong (laughs) woman, but now she's playing the poor little woman card. Like I couldn't possibly know because Sonny was doing all of this and I'm just this delicate little snowflake and I couldn't possibly. (laughs) And it worked, right? I mean, she, she got off. They say she can serve up to 20 years, but she'll probably only do a couple months. Yeah, of course. White collar crime. Yeah. You don't take money from the rich. They get pissed, I guess. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. I say to you again, it's okay to pay your doctors. It's okay to pay people who do pharmaceuticals. It's okay to pay people. It's important that the work is done correctly. It doesn't have to be exorbitant, but, you know, it makes a difference. Right. I I understand that in our country, mm-hmm. the... Health insurance, the pharmaceuticals, everything, it's its pretty fucked. I get that. Yep. I maintain she would have helped humanity, at least in the United States, a lot more if she would have used that persuasive power towards universal health care. Mm-hmm. That really would make a difference, not just for people going to doctors and being able to go to the doctors and afford to go to doctors, but that's yep. when government negotiates the prices with pharmaceutical companies the price that we pay is not the same as the rest of the world because their governments negotiate. Right. And we make up for that. Mm-hmm. But she didn't go that route because, you know, she wouldn't have been seen as 
famous or awesome or I don't know. I don't know what she was trying to get. It clearly wasn't to save people's lives. <laughs> that clearly was not what she really wanted to do. Right. One of my takeaways from this has nothing to do with the documentary itself, but as I was watching it with John, I was commenting over and over while I'm watching it because it pisses me off. Like, listen, no safety <laughs> glasses, people, no PPE. Yeah. And I realized that our the natural evolution of this podcast is if we do mystery science theater 3000 type <laughs> viewings of documentaries. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? We just watch oh, them God. and we just comment and we just comment like the little robots. Oh, hey. Yeah, I'm in for that. Okay. A real-time situation. Uh, <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah. Yep. I'm telling you, there's been a couple moments where I'm like, don't do it, you know, as I'm watching <laughs> someone pour formaldehyde or whatever you know you're just like that's just not great please put gloves on <laughs> please everyone uh, just wear gloves all the time that really is the <laughs> safest thing Ugh. and your skin will be so soft oh how nice <laughs> right yeah i just don't defraud people can we put that to bed in 2021 like it's 2022 it's the beginning of a new year just treat people the way you want to be treated mm-hmm I like that plan. I do too, but, you know, I don't think it's going to work. Dare to dream then. Okay. Do you want to talk about next week? Kind of bring it up a little bit? We do. What are we going to do next week, Erin? So next week we cover The Tender Swindler. Mm-hmm. Maybe the best name ever. It really is a great name. <laughs> this one's on Netflix. Very, very fresh in 2022. Just under two hours, and it's about some kind of dating situations that were going on in Europe. I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, there was a, would you say a Lonely Hearts uh, con? With younger people. I always think of the Lonely Hearts con being like with an older woman. Old widows. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. what I get too. Yeah, but evidently this one's been pretty popular, so I'm excited to see it. And then other than that, we'll ask you to rate, review, and subscribe. You can get a hold of us at Go Dock Yourself on Instagram and the Twitters where we try to post what we're getting ready to do and what documentaries we're currently, uh, the new episodes every week coming out on Wednesdays. So, Yep, yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all right. Stay warm out there, everybody. Laters. Bye.